This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, 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 Steeler Nation, and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G Stryker. And today we have a special guest to have one of the best and most diverse linebackers joining us on the call today, Mr. Arthur Motes. Welcome very much to the SteelerNation.com podcast. How the hell are you? Nice. That's great. That is great. So uh, I take it you, uh, or at least like most of Steeler Nation now, enjoying the first win of the year. Um, where did you get to enjoy the win this year? Or the, for this game? Man, so uh, I was actually in attendance, so it was awesome, man, being there on a Monday night game. That was my first Monday night game that I should have been in the stands for. Nice. So I enjoyed it, man. And the atmosphere was awesome. And anytime, you know, it's fun around time in Hodgesville. It's always a great atmosphere. And we had the Rob Ripple Bengals game as well, man. It just did that much better. Yeah, definitely. Were you uh, up in the stands? Because I saw there was a lot of old Steelers in the stands. Coach Cower was in sight. Uh, Kevin Green. We saw some Heinz Ward. Um, wasn't sure where you were positioned around there. Yeah, man. So I was uh, sitting with them. I was uh, in some of the seats earlier and everything like that. Yeah. But we still do like the alumni, the alumni program with the Steelers and stuff like that. So, yes. I mean, it was awesome, man, just being around some of the other guys and people that I've seen just all my years with the Steelers work for the team or in that section as well, man. So it was an awesome experience. And like you said, anytime you're winning on top of that, yeah. it makes it that much better. And the Steelers needed a win like no other, being 0-3 going into that Cincinnati game. Um, being a, a defensive guy, I know the Steelers have been really, really trying to rebuild this defense, uh, um, trying to get younger players in there, faster players, even uh, you know giving up some trades and bringing in some quality uh some quality players with Mika Fitzpatrick and also getting lucky with that Joe Hayden falling into their laps as well and picking up Nelson in the offseason and Barron. Um, how do you see the defense this year since you're the defensive guy? What what, what do you see uh, coming out of the Steelers' defense? Yeah, so uh, what I'm saying right now is the defense, they're still young and learning, but they are being productive in terms of creating turnovers. Yeah. If you look at the amount of turnovers they've been able to generate – a couple of games, that's on pace to do something record-breaking. But then at the same time, I do understand that uh, the San Francisco game, out of those five turnovers, three of them were technically gifted to them. But the fact of the matter is they were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So if they can keep that trajectory going, that's going to help this offense a ton, especially when you have a young quarterback in Mason Rudolph. So the more the defense creates turnovers, the more the defense can get 
increase in the offense the ball, that the better it's going to be for everyone. And that's a really interesting point, too, uh, Arthur. I'm glad you brought that up because the Steelers have always been really good at generating pressure. We've been getting, you know, around the league lead in sacks the past few years, tied forward or leading the league in sacks on defense, but just haven't been able to start generating those turnovers yet. Um, Watt did a good job of last year putting the balls on the ground, but the Steelers just weren't falling on the ball, it seemed. Uh, a lot of the times it was just falling, uh, rolling away from the Steelers. But... This season, you're right. Uh, it looks like they're really making an, an effort to not only stripping out the ball, but bringing down the hammer, coming around the edge on sacks to hopefully have a quarterback drop a ball on the ground while they're looking to pass. And this year, it finally looks like our team can make a few interceptions in the secondary as opposed to relying on the linebackers like they have been in the past. Yeah, definitely. And I think the uh, addition of Minka definitely helps on his home with that. We saw his splash. Uh, in terms of creating interception in that uh, in his first game versus San Francisco 49ers, yeah. I also love the play of uh, Joe Hayden and Stephen Nelson. I think Stephen Nelson, when he came over from Kansas City, the narrative was that oh he only had the interception because he was so highly targeted, yeah. and people were questioning how good he really was. But I think that he's shown to be very valuable to this uh, secondary and has been playing extremely well. You're you're one hundred percent right. I'm watching, he's just getting stronger and stronger every game too. It, it seems like he's really getting comfortable now playing with that secondary, and it's and it's tough too. As you know, as a defensive player, as you lose players uh, to injury and you have some flux on the defense. I mean, unfortunately, Sean Davis going out with the injury and going on injured reserve, but Steelers went out and they made that big play for Minka Fitzpatrick, and that was you know something that's really outside of what the Steelers normally would do, but it was honestly the right move. They, they didn't really have somebody plug and play and free safety that could really be a difference maker or, or play at a high level like a, like a Sean Davis. But now with Mika Fitzpatrick in there, it's just been a lot easier, I guess, to transition moving forward to, to growing with the D as opposed to trying to keep filling holes as the season went on. Yeah, man, I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, just this offseason and season – in general, Kevin Colbert has been very aggressive in the moves that he's made. I think it started out when he traded up to get Devin Bush. Yeah. When you think about that being the first time they got a guy in the top 10 since Rod Woodson, but what they gave up to get him, yes. they let you know that they were in yeah. for real this year. Then when they go out and spend the most that they spent in free agency on Stephen Nelson, that yeah. was another uncharacteristic, but it was, putting, it was setting the tone early that this team is trying to win now. Yes. And even when we lose the defense of the season, for them to go out and bring in Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, they could have easily folded in the towel and said, you know what, our franchise quarterback has done for the year, the season has lost. But they feel that they still have enough talent on this team to win. Yeah. And I, I agree with them. I think when you look at it from position to position, this team is very talented. And as long as they continue to execute the right way and minimize their turnovers, I think this can definitely shock some people in terms of their success this season. And, and you're right. And, and even just continuing on, on your thoughts there, just a second there, Arthur, is even just this past week picking up um, Vinette from, um, the, from uh, the, the, the tight end from Seattle. I mean, that was a, a huge plug and play because Vance wasn't playing. He was hurt. He was out for the week. And you just put Xavier on uh, Grimble on in, injured reserve. So really, you only have one healthy quarterback or one healthy tight end. I'm sorry, the, uh, the rookie gentry. And that is it on the roster. So they, they went out and made another move. Then they had to give up another pick for, but yeah, but it was a big difference. He had a big catch in the game. He looked like he was blocking well. 
in his first game. And it's it, you're right. It's that commitment to trying to win now and making sure that you have the correct people in charge. And the Steelers have been needing that second tight end anyway. So they, they went out and got him. And now hopefully Vince will be back and they'll have two great uh, tight ends working together just from that another pickup uh, midseason. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, man, Nick came in and he and Coach Tom Horace hopped on the move and train, but made a huge yeah. catch. And you got to think about the the conversations that were associated with the tight end position going into the season in terms of when they make the ball, when they bring somebody in, what was going to happen with those guys because they weren't 100% sure yeah. and confident in that room. But I bringing in Nick, who, who isn't young. In terms of he's not a rookie, he's been in the league for a couple of years now. Yeah. He's understanding what it takes to be successful. He's coming from a successful team in the Seattle Seahawks, so he understands what it takes to win in this league. And I think that helps out a ton, especially when you look at Xavier Grum, who was struggling a little bit in terms of being consistent, and then obviously with Zach Gentry being a rookie and just not knowing what you're going to get for him in terms of a productivity standpoint. So I love that pickup by them. That's great. So that's great. So we we were both at the game. I also have a season tickets. I sit in over two twenty eight. So I got to enjoy the the atmosphere. Unfortunately, another winning atmosphere game for that for this past game. But it was interesting, really, to see um, Randy Feekner go into a completely different game plan and something that I didn't think uh, I never even fathomed he'd try to do. But he put in the Wildcat and instituted the Wildcat offense, kind of take some pressure off of Mason Rudolph and. You know, I remember also back from reviewing um, uh, Jalen Samuels' tape back in college. Not only was he their primary scat back, run their jet sweeps, you know, a lot of motion, a lot of slot receiving, but he was their number one uh, quarterback on the Wildcat position. He got a lot of touchdowns and uh, big plays from the uh, from the Wildcat uh, position as well. So it was really interesting to see that incorporated in the game. How did how did you feel watching uh, Jalen Samuels out there running that? Yeah, I definitely love watching Jalen run in the Wildcat. I thought that it was a necessary wrinkle mm. for this uh, Steelers offense in terms of getting them back from the being productive. Up until that game, they had been struggling to move the ball on the ground in particular, mm-hmm. and they were trying to run an offense that was designed for Ben and for extremely talented players, but without having Ben or having the quote-unquote top-flight athletes at those positions. So when you switch to the Wildcat, it caught the uh, the Beagles off guard. They weren't ready for it. And yeah. from a defensive standpoint, having the Wildcats, the reason why it's so successful is you have to account for the quarterback now. Typically, yes. as a defender, you're assuming that 11 on 10 because the quarterback is just throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. But when she starts running, once she's added into the running game, now it's an extra gap yeah. that you have to account for that a lot of teams, if you aren't prepared for it, it throws you off. And I think that's why you're going to see them moving the ball but then I also like how they switched to a more of a West Coast style offense in terms of the short to intermediate yeah. passes that were on schedule time and things like that. Stuff that would utilize their receivers necessarily not being able to win one on ones right now. Uh-huh. But when you get those guys going side to side and running more with timing pass routes mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it gets them the ball early. It gives them a chance to get a little run after. And I think that benefited those guys a lot. And that's a fantastic point too, Arthur, because you have Mason Rudolph and you know his first start at home uh, as the starting quarterback, and he's he goes and he throws twenty four for twenty eight for you know only four incompletions the whole game, uh, two hundred twenty nine yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But you're right, that short, intermediate passing routes, quick decisions 
kept him not only um, keeping the decision making very fast. He didn't get sacked once. You know, the offensive line did another great job too in front of him, but he was still very pocket mobile. Eluded uh, a little pressure here and there to buy him some time to make some plays, but. That is the perfect game plan, like you were saying. Get quicker pass attacks, get the running backs a little bit more involved, not only in the passing game, but with the court with the uh, Wildcat wrinkle as well. And I think that really helped ease him into the uh, into the starting role, it seemed like, this past week. And he seemed the, the most comfortable so far, even though he's played well the previous two games. Yeah, definitely. Anytime you have a young quarterback, you don't want to put too much on him yeah. in terms of him throwing the ball 30, 40 times. And I understand because of people being accustomed to Ben mm-hmm. and it's this elite level ability that you want to see Mason come in and do similar things that he doesn't, then you assume that, oh, is he not the guy? Yeah. But I, I'll tell you this, man, in terms of young quarterbacks developing, it's hard for them to just come in and be able to operate on an elite level like that right off the gate. Sometimes it's best to use them in and get them high percentage throws yeah. that will build their confidence up. And then as they continue to evolve, not only from an arm talent standpoint, but from a play recognition standpoint, understanding what defense are trying to do for them. Once they start to understand that a lot more, that helps them out a ton as well. Definitely. Definitely. And he's... It seems like the Steelers have been easing him in the correct way as well. Starting off, you know, in his first season as a as a rookie quarterback, you could see he can make some plays. He's making splash plays in preseason. Um, made it very difficult for the Steelers to decide who to keep a quarterback. They decided to get rid of Landry Jones that season and promoted Dobbs because Dobbs had an excellent year. This past season, Rudolph improved in the offseason to definitely take the number two spot away and give the Steelers an opportunity to get a draft pick off of a trade with Dobbs. Um, so it's been a, a really nice progression where I know in the past the Steelers were not really committed to developing quarterbacks. They were more the team that went out and picked up an old vet to come on in and, uh, you know, be the backup quarterback uh, just in case Ben went down. But, you know, you're getting toward the end of Ben's career now. I guess it would make more sense to start developing quarterbacks because inevitably you're going to have to replace Ben at one time or another. And the Steelers did have to do it this season, obviously, with Ben going on injured reserve. So uh, moving forward also, like, I, I, I got to say also, I love watching uh, Mason Rudolph progress as a starter. It seems like he's got a nice comfort level now in Deontay Johnson. Uh, Deontay looked great uh, in the past game. I, I mean, obviously, he started off with a fumble, but he really recovered from that. And had a nice touchdown, had some tough catches in traffic and showed some good poise on those and recovering from that that dropped ball as well. Um, have you been around the Steelers organization and gotten to see Deontay Johnson progress this season? Yeah, I have. Um, I had a chance to watch him a little bit during OTAs. I was doing some Steelers Nation radio stuff. Nice. And seeing him continue to just comfort level. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. You're starting to see him get a lot more comfortable. He has that make-you-miss ability and the big play catch ability that is going to start to show up more and more as he continues to progress. I mean, you have to think, he's four games in his NFL career right now, so the sky is definitely the limit for him. The thing that I also like about Deontay is he didn't allow a negative play to dictate his productivity for the rest of the game, and that's the thing that stood out to me the most, in particular with the young player, because a lot of times younger guys – they struggle once they make a mistake early. Yeah, it throws them all the rest of the night. But for him, he kept his head in and stayed in tune. And then when they came back to him late in the game, he made the big play to break the game open. So 
those are the things that I really liked about him. And I think, I mean, putting together two back-to-back weeks of having big uh, big touchdown catches, yeah. that only bodes well to confidence going forward. And mental toughness, that's one thing Coach, Cal- or Coach Tomlin loves to push. You know, you have to be mentally tough. And requiring that of your young players, you're right. It really is nice to see him recover and stay on track and, and progress, uh, even with a negative play. Um Moving over to another uh, young receiver, I mean, I we've got James Washington on the other side who's having a tough season, it seems like. I mean, one thing I do notice about James and what he's done all last year as well, even though he gets a lot of snaps, he's an excellent run blocker. I mean, he's one of the best run blockers out there going downfield and still continuing through the play no matter what's happening. Uh, but he just doesn't seem to be um, getting open or getting those opportunities. Uh, is there anything that you could you'd, you'd be, could tell James Washington to help him out with his game, or is there anything you see in his game that you think you could tell him to help him out? Well, I think just the biggest thing right now is he obviously made the big transformation with his body this offseason. I hope that time, but mm-hmm. for him in particular, and more so for the receivers as a whole, when you lose the guy that you worked with all off season, all through OTAs, all through training camp, it is an adjustment period. Yes. And in terms of the things that they got comfortable doing with Ben and understanding how to work with Ben, it changes now that Mason is in there. And granted, him and Mason have a rapport from college. Yes. But even with that, it's still different at this level in terms of the coverages they're facing, the throws they're able to make, and what's considered open at this level versus at the collegiate level. So I think with that, it's going to be an adjustment period for him as well as Juju. But I think by them switching to more of that West Coast-style offense right now, I think that's going to benefit him as well just because it's going to give him a chance to, okay, if he's not being able to win over top right now in terms of running flat by a guy, running across the field from guys, the crossing routes, the quick outs and things like that, Mm -hmm. that will help him in in terms of getting catches and getting that confidence there's no – because that's what it's all about right now is just – these guys believing in themselves. These guys finding reasons to feel that they can still be successful right now. And that's how you do it is by with those timing passes, with those easy catches, the high percentage throws and things like that. Because once they get that, once they're getting three, four, or five catches, now you start to feel good about yourself. And then your play begins to elevate. Perfect point. I love it. Love it. Moving over to the uh, defensive side of the ball, you know, as, as a Steeler fan, longtime Steeler fan, I got really used to rooting for the defense, and I love rooting for defensive football. It's one of my absolute favorite things. Nice to watch this pass game and have a lot to root about. Eight sacks, interception, you got a, 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 a fumble on the ground. I mean, it was just – it was a pleasure for me to watch. I know you as a, as a player as well has to be even more fun for you to watch. Yeah, man, for me, I love defense, and I love seeing defense make plays. Um, I just think about how it started, even with Bud Dupree getting the big strip sack. Mm-hmm. That really was a critical play in that in that moment. And just to see him make that play really set the tone. And then from there, you get the interception with Mark Barron. You start getting even more sacks. The third quarter was a defensive explosion in terms of just the Steelers' D-line and pass rushers beating the Eagles O-line. I mean, they put them in, them in a submission, basically, yeah. in that third quarter. You <laughs> yeah, saw, basically, like, say, you know what, we're just going to run the ball and get about this game. We're done. And that's one of the ultimate signs of respect as a defender. Yeah. When you can beat a team in a submission like that. So 
man, I loved every aspect of it. And then I was really proud of uh, Devin Bush. Oh, yeah. That he had one of his best, best stealer in terms of play recognition, being productive. He got the sack, tackle for loss. Yep. Just looking a lot more comfortable. Mark, and Mark Barron as well. Like, I thought yeah. both of those guys had their best games to date as Steelers. And that's huge because they had been under some scrutiny those yeah. first couple of games. So it was always good to see guys continue to just grow, continue to continue to uh, be more productive. And in the words of Cody Drake, just shut off the noise. Yeah. And that's essentially what they had to do. And it, it helped them out a ton on Monday. And I want to see that continue to go forward when they play uh, the Ravens on Sunday. Yeah. And when you're talking about, too, tackles for loss, tackles for loss to me are, are one of the, the biggest stats you can have in – in football, whether it be a sack, but also, you know, coming through, busting up a screen like Devin Bush does, tackling a guy three, four yards back, uh, that, that's that's a big negative play. It's something you're expecting to at least get a little something out of and to go backwards. It's, it's It not only helps out your defense on that play, but you're setting up a, a, a second and long situation or a third and long situation off of the next play, which allows the defense to do a little bit more and, and, and hopefully get some more pressure on the following play, which it seemed like they were stacking the pressure as the as the play progression would go on if they got a stop or they got a TFL. It was really difficult for the Bengals to even get any sense of uh, a, a chance to make a positive play after that. Yeah, it definitely was. And that's the beauty of this, this style of defense. And when you start playing aggressive, when you start making splash plays just – playing downhill like how those guys are doing in terms of the linebackers, mm-hmm. man, it really put the offense in a bind, and that's what you saw with Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, too, that with the Steelers' defense, I mean, the engine is the linebackers. The linebackers are the playmakers. Absolutely. Defensive tackles keep you clean. You go on in there, you make your plays. And like you're saying, with Barron and Bush both being clean that game, reading the, the screens at the appropriate times, making plays downfield in the passing game as well. Um, it, it, like you're saying, I love watching the progression of those two guys. You know, Baron, of course, just being in this team the first year, but learning, obviously knowing how to play the game, and Bush being in his first year, having all the skill in the world and starting to put it together, which it seemed like this was almost like a, a come-out party for uh, for Bush showing exactly you know what we thought he was capable of, uh, having that big game and something to build off of moving forward. It's just I'm with you. I I love seeing every second of that. I, I love seeing, you know, even you know Tyson Alualu coming in off of at the end of the game, getting a big sack at the end of the game. Um, you know, you you guys and and as I used to root for you hardcore too, Moats, and you come in off the off off and uh, be spelling one of the guys, whether on outside or inside linebacker, and coming in and making plays as well, man. It's just a a pleasure to watch. Always a pleasure to watch the guys. Are, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So is there a, so now moving toward and it looks like we got the uh, um, Ravens game coming up. It looks like fortunately the Steelers are a lot healthier uh, moving in toward this next game. Um, I know Cameron Hayward got banged up a little bit with a quad. Fortunately, he came back in, had a sack after he came out with the quad. I think he missed a series, but it seems like he's going to be fine. James Conner also had an ankle injury, but also came in and had some big runs after that ankle injury. So it seems like he's going to be all right. Um, Coach Tomlin also talked about being optimistic about Vance McDonald and Vince Williams returning and possibly even uh, Anthony Chiquillo and Roosevelt Knicks getting some practice time. So it looks like the Steelers are getting healthy at the right time, facing one of their biggest rivals, obviously, in in the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And the craziest thing, Arthur, man, we're at the the fifth week of the year, 
only one win, and we can already talk about possibly leading the division next week. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of the game, right? <laughs> that is, When man. you look at how everything started out for the guys and all the, all the adversity they've had to overcome to yeah. this junction of the season, and literally they are one win away from being in the lead for the division. So that's the beauty of it. They still control their own destiny. Yeah. And they have a very favorable match. And when you look at this Ravens team who's coming in yeah. with a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. She looked extremely good versus the Dolphins, but now we understand what the Dolphins truly are. Yeah. And they haven't looked anywhere near that same caliber of team since mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So when you're looking at this film, if you're the Steelers, you have to be excited because you're coming off of a very good performance. And you understand that this is another chance to get another division win at home and possibly get your season back to where you wanted to be. Yeah. Yep. This is the game of the year so far. And I, and for them to go in and put that game plan in the last game, I'm, you know, 100% open for whatever Randy will, and um, and Butler and, and Tomlin want to put together for this game because I, I know that they understand the importance of the game. Uh, and they're starting to put their players in position to make sure that they can be successful uh, moving forward, which is just a joy to watch as a fan. So um, as far as the uh, the Ravens team now, I, I know you played them a bunch. I know they're a lot different on offense than when you used to face them. But tell us a little bit about what it was like being a player and going into Ravens week and how you prepare for that and what the feelings were um, getting getting prepared to play the Ravens. Oh, man, the intensity definitely goes up. As soon as the, whatever your last game was ended, mm-hmm. you automatically, like, use the 24-hour rule, but when it's Ravens <laughs> week, you skip the rule. You already are ready because you understand the significance of the matchup. Yeah. You understand the history of this matchup. You think about the key players who've been in this game, Yeah, all of the names, the big plays that have been made, and you understand you – are going to get your chance to write your stake into this matchup. Mm. You're going to get a chance to make something happen where people will say, I remember when you made that play versus this guy. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of guys, they look forward to that moment. Yeah. So when it comes down to that, your preparation definitely intensifies, the practice level intensifies, and then just your overall focus intensifies because of the significance of it. Not only is it a robbery, but it's a division game. Mm-hmm. You know when you win a division how important it is because not only are you giving yourself a win, but you're hurting another team in the division in terms of their chance of success. So everything is magnified and heightened in these matchups. And, yeah, when it's that high and slow, it just makes it that much better. i tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and even oh. the defense has changed tremendously just over last year as well. I mean, you remember playing against players like Suggs, and I know Weddle. I mean, uh, was Weddle playing when you were still in the league? Uh, I know he was, he was playing. Yes, he was. But I wasn't—I wasn't sure if he was still on the Ravens at that time. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. having losing Weddle, losing Suggs, losing Mosley, uh, who arguably was their heart and soul of the defense, it seemed like since Ray Lewis left, which, which I thought was an odd uh, play for the Ravens to make, um, being you know a, a player of that caliber, just being like, well, like I don't think we want to afford or want to pay for a, a player like that. When I thought like he was kind of a guy that would give you fits and was really good about creating turnovers and making spa- splash plays. Um, but now without that, it seems like whereas their defense seemed really hot the first two weeks of the season, now they're, it seems like uh, at least on – I live in the Baltimore area, and uh, Baltimore Ravens Sports Radio now is stating that 
you know, their defense seems to be a sieve and it's, it's, it's a big issue and now they can't stop anybody, but it's, it is tougher to stop teams when you're not playing the Cardinals and when you're not playing uh, uh, Miami every week, but uh, <laughs> moving toward uh, the, they had a decent game. I thought against Kansas city, I thought they played fairly well against them. Um, but yeah, it was tough to watch uh, Cleveland for Ravens fans go up and down the field on them and, and really control that game. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, when you look at the teams that they're playing against now, it is drastically different than, like you said, that Dolphins offense or that Cardinals offense with Kyler Murray. So when you factor in all those things, I definitely think that their defense is getting exposed. Yeah. And the beauty of, like you said, if you're in the Steelers offense, you have to be excited about the opportunity to come in here and just add to that. You yeah. know, you, you know that they have some names over there in terms of Earl Thomas, but when you look yeah. at him – First of Browns, he definitely didn't have his best games, and then some people were questioning his effort on some of the players that broke out. Yeah. So these are all the things that you're looking at, and you still have some of the similar uh, folks kind of like a Jimmy Smith, but other than that, I mean, you think about Jimmy Smith and uh, Tony Jefferson, but other than that, you're like, yeah. hey, this is very capable for us, and I know those guys are really excited about that. And, and Jimmy Smith, is he still banged yeah. up? I know he missed last game. No, so he, he was out there a little while for um, – for the uh, Browns game. Oh, okay. So it'll be interesting to see, like, yeah, he was out there for a little while, so it'll be interesting to see just his overall health and then how much yeah. or how effective he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Any other points you'd like to make uh, to Steeler Nation? Oh, man. Outside of just keep believing in the team, man. You know, yeah. they need your support, and they're definitely going to thrive in that environment for you guys. So, man, just keep holding on and keep bringing the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Hey, thank you once again, Arthur Motes, Steelers linebacker alumni. Always a, Once a Steeler, always a Steeler, man. We're happy to have you on the call. Thank you for still being involved with the Steeler Nation, with Steeler Nation Radio, and, and uh, everything else that you do, man. We really appreciate it. I definitely appreciate you. And that's all the time we have today on SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing. Be sure to come on over to SteelerNation.com for some of the greatest articles and best football forum on the internet. Join me as Cope and have some nice discussions with us at SteelerNation.com. Tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Thanks for being a part of the SteelerNation.com podcast. I am your host, G. Stryker, with the great Arthur Motes, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!